0: to its time on CSN International. The Daily Teaching Ministry from the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. On today's episode, we'll be listening to senior pastor Mike Kessler as he teaches in the book of Mark. Each of the four Gospels has a different approach and different audience targeted by the Holy Spirit. The book of Mark is a fast-paced, action-packed tome focused on Christ's role as a servant. By studying the examples of Christ in the book of Mark, we can learn a great deal about what our life as Christians should look like and the heart of Christ. With our study on Mark, here's Pastor Mike. We're going to be looking at Mark chapter 7 and uh, looking at some of the things
1: that God has to say concerning, uh, well, the traditions of men. Interesting because oftentimes we hold on to things that we think sometimes are really what... uh, uh, makes the difference in eternity, only to find out sometimes they don't. So we're going to look at that this morning. Now, chapter 7 of the book of Mark, again, we have Mark's uh, account of Jesus' life. Uh, people say sometimes, well, why doesn't all the Gospels say the same thing? I mean, after all, um, uh, Mark will record something a little bit different than Matthew did, or Matthew over John. Well, I always kind of use the illustration as an example. Picture a parade going down the street. You and three of your friends are standing on one on each corner of an intersection. You're all witnessing the same parade, but different parts of what you're looking at are going to stand out more to you than maybe somebody else. And so this is why in the account of Jesus' life and in the four Gospels, we find sometimes uh, slight variations, but it's the same event. Well, in chapter 7 of Mark this morning, we remember that Jesus had went from the other side... Uh, where, um, uh, and, and he, they came across over to the land of the Geseret and there is where Jesus, uh, there in the Galilee, began his uh, continuing, I should say, his ministry. And um, uh, people were being healed and they were being set free and all kinds of great things were happening. Uh, became pretty well known of what the things that he was doing. Well, notice in verse 1 of chapter 7, it says, Then the Pharisees and some of the scribes Came together to him, having come from Jerusalem. Now, friends, this was a bit of a journey, probably 60 to seven, about 85 miles, probably, somewhere around there, to just come down, and we'll find out why. Now, when they saw his disciples eat bread with the, with the file, that is, with unwashed hands, they found fault. Now, it's interesting here. Uh, they came all that distance to look for something wrong with somebody. You think that people do that with you and others that we know? Absolutely. People always want to see something wrong with you. And you know the reason why? It's not that they're really looking for something wrong with you. But if they can find something wrong with you, then they can find something wrong with the message that you bring. And that's always the reason why you'll find this fault finding that goes on. Because, again, you represent Jesus. Now, maybe we don't always represent Jesus the way we should. But the thing is, nevertheless, it's interesting that people will try to focus upon that. Now, this is a religious spirit that does this. In other words, I am spiritual because of what I do rather than what God has done through me. Now, again, friends, we know that we never approach the Father in heaven We'll never approach God someday when we all depart from this earth and stand before him in our own righteousness. That is not something that is within us. We do not have any righteousness in us. The Bible says all our righteousness is filthy rags. In other words, what it's saying is we never approach God through the things that we do. Now, I think that's important because a lot of times we think that that's what makes a good person. You say, well, Mike, then then how do we get to heaven? Well, we remember the Bible says that Jesus did something for us that we could not do for ourselves. And that is that his righteousness clothes us. In other words, like you would put on a a coat on a winter day, his righteousness clothes us. And that's what allows us to be spiritual. That's what allows us to be forgiven. And that's what allows us to go to heaven. Again, it's not our righteousness that moves us into heaven. It's what God has done for us. And this is why, again, friends, we have what the Bible calls the assurance of salvation. In other words, when you die, you can say, if you're in Christ this morning, I know I'm going to go to heaven. Now, you talk to people that are in religion, people that are in cults, and you say, if you were to die today, would you go to heaven? And they go, well, I've done the best I can. Well, what about going to heaven wasn't dependent upon you? Let's say somebody else already paid your ticket. Wouldn't that be good news? Wouldn't that be the gospel truth? Well, that's what the word gospel means, the good news. Have you heard the good news? Somebody has paid your ticket. Now, again, we understand, friends, again, that if you're trying to approach God in your righteousness, how good do you got to be? Well, a lot of people say things like that. They'll say, well, I'm as good as a guy that lives next door. In fact, I'm better. I water my lawn. And it's interesting, a lot of times, I mean, people have different ideas of what makes them spiritual or better than somebody. I have hugged a tree today. You know, I've waxed my cat. All kinds of different ideas people will do in somehow to be spiritual. Well, this is the same problem that the Pharisees had entered into. They no longer really had a relationship with God, but they were approaching God through the things in which they did. And as a matter of fact, not just the law, you might say, but the traditions of men as well. In other words, they were were, uh, um, approaching, you might say, their holiness through their own behavior. Now, look what it says. The Pharisees, verse 3, and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands in a special way, holding the tradition of the elders. Now, this is their whole thing. Now, they found fault with Jesus Literally, and his disciples, because they did not wash their hands in a certain way before they ate. Now, this tells me something interesting. They were watching every single move they made. Oh, look at there, they're getting their cheeseburger out. Well, I don't know what they were eating, but they were eating something. Maybe they were eating those falafels. Anybody been to Israel and ate falafels? Awful falafels? Anyway, anyway, anyway. Kind of a cone bean dip or something kind of thing. But they were eating. And as they were eating, they were observing everything about him. You know what I call that? Nitpicking. You ever been around nitpickers? Sin sniffers? They're out there. And they're trying to find something wrong with you. Well, this is what they did to the disciples. And they were even picking on the way they ate. Now, I realize that some of us eat more jovially than others. You ever try to eat one of them scones in a decent, sort of orderly fashion? With the honey dripping down your elbows and, you know, it just doesn't work, does it? But anyway, you know, they were picking everything apart about them, even the way they washed their hands. Friends, do you see what a religious spirit will do to a person? Finding fault. In other words, not looking, friends, again, at all the people that Jesus had healed Not looking at how those disciples had been in service to Jesus in the healing of people, but rather finding fault in the way they washed their hands. Does that tell you what a religious spirit will do to somebody? Looking for something wrong with that person and and, and nitpicking it apart. By that way, elevating yourself by putting them down. Friends, that's never a good way to lift up yourself, is by putting other people down. You know what? If you follow anybody around, you're going to find something that they do that really bothers you. Do you know why? Because we all have a different way of looking at life. But you know, when we go back and we look at what the Bible has to say, And this is where Jesus, in the next few verses, begins to correct this within the Pharisees because of their evil eye. Again, they had a religious eye, but they didn't know how to love anymore. They had a religious spirit, you might say, but they didn't have the Holy Spirit. Look what he says in verse 4. It says, so the Pharisees, again, it says, and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands in a special way, holding the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other things which they have uh, required and hold, like washing of the cups, pitchers, copper vessels, and and, and other things. Uh, It says, when the Pharisees and the scribe ask him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands? He answered and said to them, Well did Isaiah the prophet say, Concerning you hypocrites, as it is written, the people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You know, it's interesting here, Jesus says and calls them hypocrites. They're, they're, they're uh, holding up something that isn't important and, 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 and something that really is important they disregard. Now, again, as he says here, People honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. See, friends, that's one of the things. That if if your faith doesn't change you inside, what good is it? In other words, we don't want to just be like an unregenerated person that hears the message of the gospel and then walks out and lives our life any way we feel like it, but we really want God to change us. Now, see, this is a lot of times where the surrendering of will comes into our life. Now, friends, listen. People say, well, Mike, you don't understand. I have a strong will. (laughs) <laughs> we all do. And there's something deep within me that says, get weird. Now, I don't know if this relates with anybody here, but there's something within us that just likes to go off. The Bible calls it an old sin nature. And friends, every one of us has it. And somebody might say, well, I show sure am glad, Mike, I don't have that. Well, you're lying to yourself and it may come out in a different way. Now, sometimes people's behavioral issues are, are very obvious and sometimes they're not so obvious. But you know, the Bible says, unless we keep our relationship with God maintained, the old sin nature can rise up and actually try to overcome the Spirit of God and what He's doing within us. Now see, again, friends, it's a lot easier sometimes then to just get into dead religion, dead orthodoxy. I do this, 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 and this. This is my formula for eternity. I do this, 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 and this. And then by doing those things, I'm okay with God. You're not, but I am. Well, this is the danger. They believe that something that they were doing is what made the difference. And we know by studying Scripture, it's what God does in us. And so, again, they were feeling that they were spiritual because they were washing their hands and their pots and their cups in a certain prescribed manner, thereby confusing, you might say, hygiene with spirituality. Friends, that's a dangerous thing when we find something that we do and we all of a sudden memorialize it and say, okay, now this is, this is spirituality. That's a dangerous place to be. Because again, we can begin to think that because I do a certain thing, I wear a certain garment or I, I have a lucky charm in my pocket or whatever, this is going to give me the edge. And the Pharisees believed that washing their hands in a certain way gave them the edge, insomuch that they could condemn others that didn't do it their way. Now, friends, again, there are things in the Word of God that we never can compromise on. We know the Bible says that Jesus Christ is God's only son. God didn't have a lot of sons, and so there's people that say, well, Mike, that's the way you interpret it, but God had a lot of sons. There was Buddha and Muhammad and, and you know, and the other greats. Well, what did Jesus say about that? Jesus said in John 14, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Jesus categorically in that verse in John 14, 6, disqualifies every other means to heaven other than through him. Now, that's important, friends, because again, it isn't for open interpretation. There are things that are absolute, but when we come to the traditions of men, these are things that we do. And friends, this is one of the problems sometimes in the church. Now, years ago, in the late uh, maybe I should say mid to late 50s or 60s. Uh, in fact, even before then, there were different fads and trends that were going on in society. Guys had long hair. Girls had short hair. Uh, uh, it was just kind of a crazy time. Well, th- the problem was because they had not seen maybe guys with long hair before, that's a sin. That, it's just a sin. It's all it is. Now, the Bible says if some guy's got his hair dragging in the dirt says it's a shame. Now, if I saw some guy dragging his hair in the dirt, I'd say it's a shame too. But it's not a sin. You see, the problem is, is that sometimes we get comfortable in our own identity. And if somebody comes in different, like maybe with tattoos or, you know, some rings in their ears or something like that, then all of a sudden we think, wow, this person is a sinner. Well, the problem is, friends, it's not what's on the outside. It's what's on the inside that matters. And this is what Jesus now is going to describe and explain. A lot of people feel that I am something because I don't do something or I do do something. This is what Jesus is explaining here. Now, friends, again, the reason why this is important, this is the difference between a relationship with Christ and love and religion, and we're the exclusive group going to heaven. Big, big, big difference. And the dangerous part is, is that we never go to heaven because what we've done, it's what Jesus has done for us. So verse 8. For Jesus goes on and says, For the laying aside of the commandments of God, you hold on to the traditions of men, the washing of the pitchers and of the cups, and many other such things you do. And so then he said to them, All too well you reject the commandments of God, that you may keep your traditions. You know why? Because man's traditions somehow are showy. Jesus goes on and says this, For Moses said, Honor your father and your mother, and he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. Now, honoring your father and your mother in these days, friends, was this. They didn't have old folks home that they shipped their mom and dad off to. What they had in these days is that you took care of your parents, you took care of them as they took care of you. And again, uh, you provided for them. But you see, the Pharisees had come along and they had modified it and said, look, if you dedicate your parents' inheritance to the temple, that will negate your personal responsibility in having to take care of them. Now it sounds good to somebody that's lazy that doesn't want to take care of their parents when they get old. But this is exactly what the problem was. As the parents got older, they couldn't take care of themselves. And this is part of what's honoring your parents. A lot of times we think honoring our parents is something we do when we're like 10 years old or 11 years old. But actually honoring your parents is is, is from crib to death. That's what you do. You take care of them. That's part of the, the purpose of God. Well, here's the problem. The the, the Pharisees, again, come along and say, and the Sadducees say, listen, you dedicate their wealth to the temple, and that will negate your responsibility to take care of them. So just dedicate it to the temple, and that frees you of your responsibilities. So notice he says, Moses said, Honor your father and your mother. He who curses his father and mother, let him be put to death. But you say, now this is what Jesus is saying to the Pharisees, you say, if a man says to his father or mother, Whatever profit you might have received from me is Corbin. that is, dedicated to the temple, and you no longer let him do anything for his father and mother, making the word of God of no effect through your traditions which you have handed down, and many other such things you do. It's interesting that they had modified so much of what the word of God said because of their own traditions. And you know, it's funny, people will, will believe their traditions. Uh, Sometimes on Every Man and Answer, people will call up and they'll begin to argue with me concerning traditions of men. I go, where is that in the scripture? Well, it's not in the scripture, but it's something our church has always done. I go, you haven't haven't read Mark 7? Because that's the dangerous thing. Again, there are so many different ideas out there, friends. That's why you need to know the word of God. That's what's going to protect your heart in the days to come. Religion at times sounds logical. Washing your hands before eating. Hmm... I've seen some of my hands when I've worked on cars. I think that's a good idea. But it doesn't make me... It might send me to heaven quicker. <laughs> but doesn't necessarily make me any more spiritual. You, you see? So these things get instituted into people's ideas. And so therefore... And now, you say, well, Mike, that, that, yeah, that, we're in 21st century America. I mean, where do you get this stuff? Okay, have you heard some of these? Cleanliness is next to godliness. Well, the Bible says, God helps those who help themselves. Have you heard that? It's not in the Bible. In fact, if you really study the Scripture, what I have found, God helps those who can't help themselves. That's kind of God's specialty, you know. Cleanliness is next to godliness. The Scripture says, No, the Scripture doesn't say that. Now you say, well, where do these ideas come from? From traditions of men, from things that have been said. Grandma, grandpa, uncle, aunts, they've said these things to us since we were little. You know, drink coffee, it'll stunt your growth. You know, I mean, all kinds of things we, we've heard when we were growing up. And we get older and we find out they're not true. Well, friends, again, these things have been taught in this society as well, as well as the, the time of Jesus. There was a lot of ideas circulating around that really had nothing to do with Godliness. Now you say, well, Mike, how do you stop that? I'm glad you asked. This, the, the way you stop it is by knowing the Word of God. Now again, knowing the Word of God comes line upon line, precept upon precept, as Isaiah says. Now the reason why that's important is this. That way, nobody is going to rip you off in the name of God. Nobody's going to rip you off in the name of religion. And so when somebody comes along and says something like, well, you know, it's a sin to have long hair. Wait a minute. Hold it. Let's go over and read 1 Corinthians chapter 11. talks about women having short hair. And sometimes women beat themselves up because they've gotten their hair kind of short. And I realize for a lot of ladies, and especially some of the jobs you do, it's a lot easier to take care of. The whole idea there was as long as guys are guys and girls are girls, we ain't got a problem here. It's when you go, what are you? That's a problem. That's where you got to be careful because you're supposed to kind of know what you are, you know. Which door for the bathroom do I go in now? Let's see. No, you're supposed to know. And people are supposed to know why you're in there. I'm trying to be weird here. I'm trying to be real because we wonder about those things sometimes. Well, listen, here's the problem. Is Is that, again, when somebody lays that on you and they start quoting out of 1 Corinthians chapter 11. But, you know, if you read down to verse 16... When Paul talks about men having long hair and women having short hair, do you know when you get down to verse 16, you know what it says? But if anybody is contentious, this is what it says in 1 Corinthians eleven sixteen: 16. If any man is contentious, that means disagreeable, we have no such custom nor do the churches of God. He calls them a custom. So a woman to have long or short hair, it's a custom. And, and if anybody's disagreeable, we don't have any customs, nor do the churches of God. In other words, friends, it isn't a sin. And you know what's amazing to me? That people will only read what they want to read, build a whole theology upon it, and then institute that as part of their religious pro, uh, 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 behavior. I'm amazed by that. That's why knowing the Word of God is going to protect you. Do you know religion, without being balanced by the Word of God, will put you under tyranny? It'll put, it'll put you under uh, 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 slavery? Jesus is freeing. Religion is in slavery. Now, the Bible talks about pure religion. That's where you follow the commandments of God. Now, that's a good thing. But man's religion, that'll tear you up and that'll destroy you. And see, this is what Jesus is talking about. That they had taken the law of God, they've added their own traditions to it, thereby making it really of non-effect. And so he goes on and he says, Making the word of God of no effect through your traditions, which you have handed down, and many other such things you do. And when he had called the multitude to him, he said to them, hear me, everyone, and understand. So Jesus wants you to know this. There is nothing that enters a man from outside which can defile him. But the things which come out of him, those things are that which defile a man. If anyone has ears, let him hear. Jesus says this. It isn't what comes into your mouth that defiles you. It's what comes out of your mouth. Now, I'm sure maybe the disciples were kind of wondering, what exactly does this mean? Because again, you would have to think a little bit, what, what is it that comes out of a person? What, where does it all begin? Have you ever thought about, like, like when you, have you ever found yourself doing something you wish you wouldn't have done? Did you ever wonder how you got there? You didn't just go, whoa, how'd I get here? There was a plan and a process involved. This is what Jesus now talks about. And when he had entered the house away from the crowd, his disciples asked him concerning the parable. So Jesus called that a parable. and says, are you without also understanding also? Do you not perceive whatever enters a man from outside cannot defile him? Because it does not uh, enter his heart, but his stomach and is eliminated, uh, that purifying the foods. He said, what comes out of a man, that defiles a man. For within, uh, in, out of the heart, of man precedes evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness is selfishness, wickedness, deceit, licentiousness, which is just filthy talking, uh, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these things come from within and defile a man. Whoa. Jesus goes right and addresses the real issue. He wasn't talking about something external like washing your hands. See, you could be washing your hands and you could be doing all the rituals and have these kind of things going on in your heart. Friends, when I read this, when I look at this, you know something? I'd like to be honest and tell you, I I don't ever have any of these go on in my life. You know, I read these and I go, wow, God, these are things I got to watch out for. I can see a tendency. Have you ever looked at that and seen somebody win the lottery and go, wish it was me? That's covetousness. I can be guilty of that. Have you ever have you ever had an evil eye? Now you say, what's an evil eye? I think Roger Miller said it well in an old song written back in the sixties. Every lock that ain't locked when no one's around—that's an evil eye. You have an eye in the crowd. You know. You know what's really strange? You know. I, I think it's always funny because people say, and this is a funny thing. If you're from California. You say, I want to move up here where there's no bad people. Let me tell you, we got ours too. Several years ago, relatives sent their son up here to get away from the drug-infested Southern California area. Well, he was up here only about three weeks, and he was with a bunch of drug-infested people here. He had an evil eye. He knew what he was looking for in the crowd to find what he wanted. It's amazing to me that you can move all over the country, and still, if something hasn't moved in your heart, you're going to be the same person, whether you were in Southern California here or anywhere else you may go. It's something that God wants to do and change inside of
0: you. That's Pastor Mike Kessler on It's Time. If you've missed any part of today's episode, I'd like to inform you that we offer It's Time for free as a podcast download in the iTunes store. If you'd like a hard copy that you can keep and share, give us a call at 800-357-4226 and the operator can help you with that. Don't forget, It's Time to Grow. Pastor Mike's book on the Christian walk is also available completely free for you by calling that toll-free number I just mentioned. Tune in next time for more It's Time.